Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mike Howerton. Today is Thursday, September 6th, and it really is September 6th. This is the first episode that I've actually done on the day that I released it uh, in two or three weeks. So with that said, we've got to catch up on some of the news. All the way back, second week of August, the World Pool Series 8-Ball Classic Championship took place in Bucharest, Romania. It was the first World Pool Series event outside of New York. It's a shame that the tour had to go outside of the U.S., but honestly, the European players had been supporting the tour more than American players, so you got to go where the players are. Chris Melling won this one. Interesting story. They're playing alternating break eight ball. And from the report that we received, Melling goes up on Jason Shaw, coincidentally his roommate, 10 to 2 in a race to 17. So you figure 10 to 2 alternating break, that match is over. Not necessarily the case. From 10 2, Melling ahead. Jason Shaw comes back to 12-11 down. So Shaw won nine straight eight ball racks, alternating break. The report talks a lot about dry breaks, which shock me at, at that level of play. But Jason comes all the way back from eight racks down to one rack down. And then from there, Melling comes back and wins the match 17-11. I'm interested in the, the listener's opinion. If you're way down like that, I mean, we've all been in matches where we're trailing by a, a huge margin. Would you rather just have it be over with and say, you know what, the guy outplayed me. I didn't have a whole lot of an opportunity. It happens. Or would you rather make a comeback, get that close to winning the match or making it a tough match and then lose it in the end? I'm not really sure what, what my opinion is on that. Um, it seems to me, and I realize it's a defeatist attitude, but it seems to me it's worse to have gotten that close. I'm sure there are people who will argue the facts, though. In other news, Team USA for the fourth annual Atlantic Challenge Cup was announced. This is the junior Moscone Cup style event, which Allison Fisher is the team captain for Team USA. They named their six players. Those players are Caden Hunkins, 16-year-old from Wisconsin, Michelle Zhang, 18-year-old, uh, April Larson, 18 years old. Now, Michelle and April have a history in that Michelle has beaten April, I want to say, three times in a row during Junior Nationals and during uh, the APA Junior event. So ordinarily, when you hear April Larson in a tournament, you think, all right, well, there's the top female who's going to be in it in a junior tournament. Uh, but that may not be the case right now. I'll do my best to get Michelle and April for an interview here for the show before the event happens. Uh, rounding out the top six, Justin Martin, 19-year-old from North Carolina, Joey Tate, 13-year-old from North Carolina, and Shane Wolford, who has experience at the Atlantic Challenge Cup from Virginia. He's 18. Europe announced their squad for this event just today. The European team is Fedor Gorst from Russia. Uh, I believe it's Wiktor Zielinski from Poland. 
Jean van Lierop, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, from the Netherlands, Patrick Hoffman from Germany, Valeria Trushevskaya, and Veronica Karwick. Uh, Valeria is from Russia, Veronica is from Poland. I am absolutely positive I butchered at least half of those names. But you look at the names, Fedor Gorst, uh, Viktor Zelinsky, those are, and Patrick Hoffman too. I mean, we've seen headlines on these players from events in Europe. And I realize that April and Michelle and Shane, you know, they play strong, but it just seems like you're setting up American players for a really, really tough time in an event like this. And I realize they have to get out there and, and they have to compete just like they do in the Junior World Championship. But again, what Mark Wilson is doing for the juniors is great, but there needs to be a lot more. Or I had the conversation with Thomas Overbeck and... They have a huge established junior program, which my understanding is it gives Mark Wilson's program the seven. But you gotta start somewhere and they're they're starting where they are. Um you know, we wish them them success. That event's in late November, early December. Other tournament results, the third annual NAPT Summer 10-Ball Classic at Shooter's Sports Bar and Billiards in Grays Lake, Illinois. Allison Fisher won that one. Um, Karen has won, Karen Core has won a number of those events. She is struggling with a bad back right now, and I'm not saying that that's why Allison won. That would be ridiculous. What I found really interesting is the room owner at Shooters was allowed two players that were able to get in without qualifying. And for the second year in a row, he put Molly Bontrager in the field. Molly took second place to Karen Core last year. She took second place to Allison this year. This girl can obviously play extremely strong. I just wonder what she would be able to accomplish if she were out there playing in regular NAPT events, in regular regional tour events, in regular WPBA events. Uh, I just think it would be great. She obviously has the talent. It would be nice to see her out there competing against the toughest ladies in, uh, in, in America, at least. Last story I've got for you is Turning Stone. Jerry Forsyth and myself were there doing scoring and a little bit of commentary at the end. Shane Van Boning won it. As I mentioned in the story for the tournament, there were a lot of subplots and, and things that jumped out at me. You've got Johnny Archer, who had an outstanding tournament, finishing second. You had Hunter Lombardo, who hasn't had a, a finish better than fifth place, and that was 10 years ago at Turning Stone. Yet he's there every year. He's out on the table practicing every night, every day. When he's not in a match, he's practicing, he's practicing. This is a guy who works on his game constantly. And coincidentally, he's also the person that I interviewed this week. So you'll get a chance to hear from him about what he's changed and and what he sees in his future. And, you know, as usual, it's sad, but it seems like every time I have an interview with someone, it goes back to the state of pool, and this one did too, but there were a lot of interesting things that we talked about. 
Other players that really performed well, Jennifer Beretta, she had an outstanding tournament, final eight on the winner's side. I'm guessing that's her top finish. I don't have it right in front of me right now. And also on the other side, uh, Jason Shaw just kind of went quietly into the night. Billy Thorpe, quietly into the night. Mika Immonen was there, did not have a great tournament. There were three players from Finland, and Mika was the lowest finishing player. Petri Mäkinen and Ali Turkalainen were also there from Finland, and they had great tournaments. There's a larger story than just the AZ Billiards story uh, in the Billiards Buzz magazine this month, and all of the matches that were streamed on Facebook at this tournament are also now up on our YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube and do a search for AZBTV, and all of the matches from Turning Stone 30 are there. That catches us up with the news. I won't jabber away anymore. I will let Hunter Lombardo give his opinion on some things. So without further ado, I give you Hunter Lombardo. And I'm very proud to be joined now. You said you were in Florida, right? Uh, yeah, I'm in Florida right now, Mike. All the way from Florida. Uh, Turning Stone Classic 30, third place finisher, Hunter Lombardo. It's early there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, no, not that early, Mike. It's uh... 12, 12.03 p.m., and you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, any time. We're glad to have you. 12.03 is still early pool player time. Well, I was uh, up at 8 o'clock today uh, doing a few things. Um, I, I'm not really here in Florida as much as I would like to be. I'm pretty much now based uh, in New York City, so, but I have a, I have a place uh, down here in uh, West Palm, so I needed to come home kind of tend to a few things, check on some stuff, and then also uh, show my face with uh, the family. And, of course, you know, that's something that all of us so-called pool players uh, struggle with is, uh, you know, when you're really in pursuit of tournaments and following your goals, um, sometimes the ones you love the most kind of pay for it and not get to see as much. Do they get to follow you when you're out playing in tournaments across the world? You know, my mom is now, uh, my mom's very old school. And uh, I don't know if you can relate to this, but she just now has, you know, I'm trying to get her a little bit more savvy with uh, today's technology. And, you know, she has internet at the house. And so she can like, she can go online now and look things up. But uh, that's, Still a work in progress getting her to where to go, what to look for. But I'm actually um, I'm here for two more days before I fly back to, to to New York for just a day and then off to China. But uh, I'm going to uh, get my new iPhone hooked up. But I'm giving her my old one. She doesn't know it yet. I have to like I'm going to have to you know do pretty much a tutorial with her on how to uh, go about that, but that ought to make it a lot easier for her to kind of, you know, stay in touch and follow and exchange pictures and stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can do for her. I'm going to do what I can. Did she get to, uh, to watch your matches at Turning Stone? No, no, she, she didn't get to, um, you know, my mom isn't, my mom pretty much didn't, uh, she's never really seen me play like she always knew I played but she didn't really um follow it to say like the extent as like my father you know my father was an athlete and so um you know he's he's definitely into that much more 
uh, than she was. But as time goes on, she, she's, she's getting more into it. So. You, uh, you've been playing for quite some time. I mean, we've been following your career on AZ for, God, a decade. Um, but it turns out that even more so than playing, you're, you're all about teaching, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy, um, I heavily enjoy the teaching and coaching. Uh, it's fulfilling. Uh, you, you meet all kinds of people. And, you know, in the process of doing it, um, you, you, you're also better in yourself while you're doing it. Do you specialize in any type of instruction or is it all levels or, or what do you do? Yeah, all levels. I, I teach all levels, um, all the way from beginner up to world, world champion. So, um, it's, again, it's, it's tailored fit to the individual. Um, there is no curriculum. Um, I, I pretty much go right into the areas that need to be addressed with that particular player. And how much time do you think you spend uh, with lessons maybe in a month? Mm, uh, I would say comfortably, I, I'd say anywhere between between 60 and 100, 100 hours, between 60 and 100 hours. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know of any other active professional player that is trying to balance out having a career and at the same time teaching and coaching that much. But I can't. But I can't help my. I, I, I can't help myself, Michael. You know, it's just you get into a routine of it. It's no different than if I was, uh, you know, uh, working a normal job or back in finance or anything like that, you know, it's just you get into a routine and that's just what fuels you. If you're spending 60 to 100 hours giving lessons, how much time does that leave for practice? Well, see, that was the, that was the issue. That was the issue till about a month ago um, where I had to, I really had to step aside for a moment and, and ask myself, hey, you know, what are you doing? Um, you know, I, I, was, I had to have really that conversation that no one likes to have with themselves and, and ask yourself, you know, what's my level right now? What am I looking to do with my game? And I said, here it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving everybody else my time, uh, making sure everybody else is getting and meeting their goals. But, uh, you know, in the shadows, I, I, I wasn't maintaining mine. So, I came to that grim reality and I said, you know, I have to do something about this. So what I started to do was match my practice. And it, so if I say, say if I did three hours of lessons on a, on a particular day, then afterwards I would back it up with three hours of practice. And, um, it was really tough the first week on me. Uh, it'd be like going to the gym and, you know, part of me is like kicking and screaming, wanting, you know, not to do it. But uh, <laughs> once I got into that routine, then I started asking myself, you know, how have I not been doing this? But when, again, unless you're at a certain level or if you do teaching and coaching, it's hard to relate that if I teach three hours, seven hours, eight hours that day, 
sometimes the last thing you want to do is hit balls. And I fell into that trap. I fell into that trap, Michael. But again, I found a way to get out of it. And now I realize that if I have to, as much as I'm maintaining others, you know, taking care of number one is actually taking care of number two. And that I need to make sure that I'm maintaining uh, myself. Well, whatever whatever conversation you had, it seemed to work. Uh, third place, and and really, that doesn't effectively describe how you played at Turning Stone. I mean, you were just how close were you to beating Johnny both times? So the first time Johnny and I, uh, it went hill hill, um, and you know I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, you know, on the in the first match, I I went up. Uh, 8-5, and I was making um, a fairly difficult run out, um, and I just fell a little short with with the shot. I overspun it, and then Johnny came back, and Johnny you know, proceeded to run that game out uh, to bring him to six, and then you know he ran out the set uh, from from that point on. So. I mean, Johnny did what he was supposed to do. I, I had my opportunity. Uh, I was trailing in that match and then got ahead. But, you know, that's that's part of the sport. Um, and then the, the second time after I lost on the hill to Johnny on the winter side uh, and then had two more matches that I had to play and then met up with Johnny again um, to advance to play Shane. And I lost that one 9-7. And that one, I'd have to say that I made, for sure, more errors. Um, but they were very simple errors. But at that level of play, um, the smallest things end up avalanching into the biggest. And you you cannot be doing that against a colossal player like that because you will pay for it. And, of course, you know, there was a few things that also went his way, too. But you make yourself available to that kind of stuff once you start not doing your part or going about it, you know, or going about a shot, you know, with kind of a, an indecisive thought or, or way. I mean, and where, where this can, I mean, not only has it just helped me, but I've seen it help so many others is that, look, you're, you're better off making a wrong decision than an indecision. So you can at least learn from it, but you got to commit to something. And, and I have to say that there was a couple times where I was in between. And so when you do that, you now, of course, um, can possibly pay for it, but you also make yourself available uh, for things to start swinging uh, the other player's way. You give momentum away. Even at 9-7 in the second set, that was a really close match the whole way. Yeah, yeah, it was. But... The break, one of, you know, the statement that I had made even before the event and, um, you know, I told Jerry about it and I think I might've mentioned it to you in passing where is I felt that I could win, but I knew that if, if I broke well, then for sure I had a chance to win. But if I didn't break well, then I was going to get close. So, I mean, I did make my goal, but again, I, I fell short a little bit with the break. That's something that I'm, I'm working on and I need to work more with my, my timing and 
different, you know, selection of breaks. You know, I've heard some players complain about the break at Turning Stone and not just the racking controversy that hopefully we've gotten past, but he's got some break rules that I know some of the top players don't exactly care for. Well, I, you know, Mike is, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, is Mike's doing everything that he possibly can to make that work. And again, Michael, if you look, you look at how cool is the direction that it has been going in and how it's set up. And Mike's tournament's one of the only few that have, I mean, look, 30, it's been, there's been 30 of them. So, I mean, as much as people, you know, they they always want to find something to complain about, but I'd say there's definitely way more pros than there are cons with how, you know, Zuglin's running that event. It's actually one of my favorite events because you, you know what's going on all the time. You know when you're supposed to play. The conditions are always the same. It's a beautiful venue. Um, but the, the break, yeah, w- would it be better if, uh, you know, I, I, I think an equalizer in, in an event like that would be that, uh, you know, just a magic rack. Magic rack, three-point rule, just like they are at all the other tournaments around the world overseas. And that's it. Because if a player breaks and runs out the set, a player breaks and runs out the set. But, you know, he's going to have to make sure that he also abides by that three-point rule. But it's hard, that three-point rule. is. But, it's, again, it's hard because there aren't enough referees to enforce that. So uh, as much as everybody would like things to change, you know, it, it, again, it's just it's really difficult. It seems like there's two different types of tournaments out there. There's the Turning Stone events, the U.S. Open events, uh, events overseas where they're... I don't want to... I don't want this to come across sounding the wrong way, but it's more where you know what's going to happen. It's a professional event. You come in dressed well. uh, Your matches are all scheduled. And then... There's tournaments that seem to um, seem to be attractive more to the the money players, you know the the huge Calcutta and and you know thousand dollar entry, and we're going to have a one pocket and a mini tournament and this and that. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one of those types of tournaments, but you seem to gravitate towards the former. Uh, is there a reason for that? So, I I didn't start playing this game. Uh, with the vision of being like some backroom player or a gambler. Um, and I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm not frowning upon that and I'm not discounting it whatsoever, but every player ends up coming to that fork in the road. Do I want to take this way or do I want to take that? Some way try to play down the middle, but I think at times it, it, it will create turmoil with you as a player. And I mean, yeah, I did a lot of gambling growing up. And, and so forth. But after taking a, a pretty large break with my game, and I came back, when I came back to the game, I said, man, I just really don't want to do this anymore. And all my friends, you know, used to really, really jerk me around about that. And I mean, I would gamble, but they pretty much had to uh, tush hog me uh, into doing it because I really didn't like making games. I really didn't like the whole dynamics of that. And, um, but 
I, I did do it. Uh, but when you, you you hit a really good note when you said about the, the tournaments and and that that's one of the reasons why I like Turning Stone so much is because of the organization. And if we just had more tournaments like that, you would you'd probably see a lot. You'd see you'd see another breed of players start to come around more. You probably would see a lot more of the Europeans and people overseas come over for events like that because that's what they're used to. And that's what I, it's what I prefer. I don't know. I've never really met anybody that likes to go into a situation and not know what's going on. I mean, every once in a while, the spontaneity, it's fun. It's exciting. But when you're trying to do something for a living uh, day in and day out, and every time you go somewhere, you're not knowing if what you said you're going to get paid, you're going to get paid with. You're not knowing when you're going to be playing. You're not knowing that the rules that were discussed, you know, two weeks ago, online or on the flyer are now going to hold up, it, it will wear on you. And if it doesn't, then I feel that you've checked out as an individual and that you just settle. And that must, you must be like that in all aspects of your life, but I'm not. So, um, again, everybody has different goals and different aspirations. Mine was try to be the best player that I could be, be a professional. And like I see some of my friends that are in other sports. And I just think that it comes down to a nature. And if more players were just to kind of maybe go that route, uh, things would get better. I'm not saying that, you know, the, those tournaments that you talk about that aren't organized would disappear because there's there's something for everybody that's just not really for me and um it's not people can sit there and tell me well hunter you you really should come the calcut is great nobody knows who you are nobody thinks you can play you know you could really do well here yeah and you know it's it's true but um i don't i don't want to have that feeling that i've got to go do something because i have to versus because i want to I want to. I want to go, and I want to enjoy it, and I want to have fun, and I'd like to know what I'm getting involved in. You mentioned that um, you know, if there were more turning stones, there would probably be more players coming over from Europe, and I think that's an interesting comparison because th- what you describe as the way you see the game reminds me a lot of the European players. Do you think that comes from playing over there? I mean, you've you've played all over the world much more so than just about every other American player who's who's really competing right now. Do you think you picked that up from there, or was it just who you were? No, that's just me. That's just my nature. Um, I've always been drawn to that. My, uh, you know, one of my parents is from Europe, and uh, so. I'm not saying I was brought up uh, differently than, you know, your your average uh, Joe, but it's just that I I've got a side of my family that definitely behaves different than versus than one side of my family, and uh, I probably gravitate a little bit more to 
you know, I try to always tell everybody like, you know, I'm one of my parents is uh, German. One of my parents is Italian. And I, I tell them, you know, with that kind of combination, it makes me passionately organized. <laughs> and, and so it's just, um, I mean, I like what I like and I like organization. I like structure. And like I told you, like I stressed to you on a prior question, I want to know what I'm getting into. I, 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 I want, I, I like having things finalized because then it allows me to be able to follow through with my process, my plan at that particular time. So all those European players, um, they're majority of those guys, you know, they're, a lot of them are carefree, even a lot of, um, the Asian players and so forth. They're all really carefree. I mean, they're just as carefree as any of us Americans, but over there, there's just more structure. And the funny thing, Mike, is, and you'll probably never hear anybody say this because unless they've been over playing in different parts of the world, like that, they can never, they can never relate is that here we are, our country, a superpower. In, in more than one way, we have so much money to put into the into the game, okay? But yet we don't. So, like, we here it is. We have a sport that can totally flourish like all the other ones, but yet we treat it like a game. And then you go over to Europe and Asia, and here it is. They treat it like a sport and not a game. Why do you think that mentality exists in the U.S.? Um, I, I, I think it's a, a stigma. It's a stigma that um, pool has never been able to get away from. Um, you look at the, the history. The, I, I mean, I was having this talk. You know, Johnny and I are very good friends. And, you know, I've always looked up to him um, through from the minute I ever picked up a cue till till I I look at him the same way as I did when I was 16 years old. And I'd asked him, I said, Johnny, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, we're all separated by different degrees of perception. I said, Johnny, wasn't it like when you were like in my position, wasn't pool better and the money was better? And he goes, yeah, I'm sure you're absolutely right. It was. If you look back then and say, you look, say, through um, the 90s, um, I mean, hell, you can even go back and go from, say, like the, the mid-80s all the way up to about mm, 2000, roughly maybe 2001 before 9-11. And I mean, these guys were... I mean, these guys were like uh, PGA players. They had a, an event to go to almost every other week. Whether, you know, I mean, again, you know, the, the, there never truly has been a, a pro tour for any significant amount of time. I know a lot of, uh, a lot have tried. But I mean, there was definitely more structure back then and actually more money going on back then than there is now. It's crazy. I mean, who would have ever thought? You would have thought it would have been the other way around, right? I mean, how do things, things are supposed to get better, not worse. Especially now with the internet and 
all the players and how everybody can be educated and, and people can connect more. And it's not like, oh, let's just go off of a flyer or whatever. I mean, you can find things online, you can use cell phones, uh, everything. How is it, how is it that things have not evolved? And it's not, it's, it's not the sports fault, Michael. It's not the sports fault. It's, it's the people, it's the people that get involved and it's, and, and it's how a player, even like myself might conduct themselves. You, you know, when you become, when you become, if you choose to become a professional or you become great at something, you got to realize that your actions just don't affect you anymore. They're going to affect anybody else that's around you, especially when it comes to a fan base or it comes to promoters or possible sponsorships. Do, would you agree? Uh, I would. And what you're describing is something that is a pet peeve of mine in that so much of this game, so much of, of or, or so many of the people who are involved in this game seem like they want it to all happen in the dark. You know, look, I, I run a website. I, I try to get word out about tournaments, but, you know, so many tournaments, they, they don't they don't want to be list. I, I don't know if they don't want exposure. If they just, um, if they just want to stick with their own individual group of people and and not go beyond that. But I mean, I see what you're saying as something like that. I mean, is that? Do you think that that the people behind the game really want it to just exist in the shadows? Um, I, I mean, I definitely feel there's a little bit of segregation that goes on, but I just, look, I mean, and this is really probably dangerous, you know, for me to say, but, uh, uh, unlike other sports, you know, the, normally when you've got a sport and there's more money in it, you're going to tend to get more educated people, not just behind the sport, but also viewing the sport. So now not, not only are the promoters and the players more educated, but the fan base is more educated. So it's like if, if, if uh, an individual or a promoter is doing a tournament and they're not willing to go by certain possible guidelines, look, I'm, I'm not saying let's reinvent the wheel here, but if you're not willing to go by certain guidelines, then there's, you, you get what you give and there's going to be a, uh, it, it's probably going to have a very similar turnout, like maybe the, the year prior that you did it or like others, you, you sometimes are going to have to get outside of your comfort zone. And I, I just don't know why. I, I really don't know why. And, and again, I want to, you know, Mike, again, I, I want to, I, I need to stay somewhat diplomatic because I, I don't want, you know, people to perceive in like, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, some tyrant with this, but it could be, it, 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 it first of all stems from like you would say, and, and like something else corporate or from management. So the players, I mean, really, if you look at it, I mean, we're, we're, we're all just, I mean, we've all kind of just been, uh, I think 
the best way to put it is like, we're all here on this farm and I mean, we're like livestock. And if, 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 if just the right shepherd was to come along or the right farmer, I mean, and just kind of corral us all together. And I, I mean, you know, uh, the farm would be a better place. You know, um, I've felt for the longest time that there needs to be some sort of a players organization, something that represents the players, uh, can be like a go-between between the promoters and the players. I have heard top-level players who, as soon as you mention players organization, it's like you've slapped them in the face. They want nothing to do with it. Um, I've had players, I've heard players describe themselves as independent contractors. And, you know, we can go play in whatever tournament we want, whenever we want, and we don't have to answer to anybody. Do you really think that if an organization or an individual, I mean, let's say Trudeau had, had been for real and was not doing it for the kind of crazy money that he was doing it, do you really think the players would would come together for the sport and themselves with the right leader? Well, I know I would. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm playing with the full deck and I'm a realist and, uh, I, I care about my future, but some of these, again, with the way pool currently is and why no one's willing to per se, give it a facelift is that it's, it's turned a lot of us into scavengers. And we're just doing anything and everything to kind of survive. And that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And so now when you're getting multiple and multiple of this, it's, it's hard, man. You know, it's like just everybody comes feral with this. And I feel that with if you look it's I guess the best way to put it is this is that pool unlike most other sports it can be a very selfish act you don't have to share it with anybody if you don't want to I mean I can go out and hit balls by myself go through drills break, re-rack, break, do things like that. I don't need to do this with anybody. So if, if the pool's going to always be somewhat lucrative and enticing to certain personality types. And, but if you pretty much become just one dimensional and all you focus is on that, then I feel you fall into this trap. Me, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, I love pool. I mean, I'm crazy for it. But I know there, just like anything, there are a few pitfalls, and that's one of them. And you got to be careful not to slip into that. You have to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, I end up doing this. Yeah, okay, I'm an independent contractor. Oh, it's it's all about me. I do this. But, I mean, do you... Are you sure you want to make a living doing this or are you just kind of going through the motion and you're just scared to maybe try anything else with your life? Uh, I mean, 
if I had someone in front of me tell me, well, I'm an independent contractor and this is all I, you know, I'll, I'll march to my own beat. Well, cool. Rightfully so. You know, yeah, you we all are our own boss, but sooner or later, you, you better come to your senses and think about, Hey, is this something that could be in my best interest? Like, wait a minute, here's, here's someone want to start an organization. And if I just become a part of it, there's an 80% chance that all the things that I normally complain about are going to get better. What do you think, Mike? It's kind of a no brainer, right? Yeah. But those self-described independent contractors are also right up there with, with the choir complaining about the sport. And well, and, and that's what's going to happen. You're, you're absolutely right. But see a lot of times, Again, it comes to now what we talk about certain, you know, certain level of education and that people tend to reject what they don't understand. So maybe one of the problems is up to this point, you know, maybe every time someone has presented this possibility, you know, they really, they really didn't give everybody the hows and the whys to why this should be going how this could be beneficial. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, this is on such a minute scale of no different than someone running for office or trying to become a uh, run for, be a commissioner or be this or this. What are you willing to do? You need to then show what is the platform we're going to take. How, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this is what it, I think is the problem. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be really cool with how I go about this with you, but I just feel up to this point, maybe people have had some great ideas, Michael, but I think when push came to shove, they, 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 they really didn't, they really didn't have a plan. They maybe had a vision, but they didn't have a plan. And so it comes down to this. It's like, you know, did you, did you fail to, did you, did your plan fail you or did you plan to fail? Well, I mean, you're right in that. I don't see a lot. I, I, I've seen a lot of people with vision, you know, the, the pool world has yeah. been full of them, but there haven't been, you know, even with Trudeau and, and I don't mean to keep going back to that, but you know, what you describe is what he was building but throughout that entire time, at least the media was saying, all right, what's the angle? There's an angle here, and we don't know what it is. You know, it seems mm-hmm. to be that way with, with the whole game. You know, anytime somebody comes along with something great, everybody in the pool world, from players to promoters to the media, says, yeah, there's, they're not just doing this out of the kindness of their heart. But you don't believe it or not, there are some people that will, that are willing to, but they get, they, you know, they get shunned or they don't get supported. I'm fortunate enough to deal with a lot of well-to-do people, wealthy people being based now in New York with all the teaching and coaching I do. And you would be amazed of how many people there are that love the game. I'm talking about millionaires, billionaires, but and, and they would like to be a part of it or they would like to do something, but you got to think, you got to ask yourself, 
there must have been a, they, they, they must have had a certain behavioral pattern or a, a certain process that they went through to get to where they were, where, the, where they are in their life and to have uh, accumulated the wealth that they have. So what it comes down to is that they're just looking for, hey, you know, I asked them, I said, look, what would it, what would it, what would it take for someone like yourself to, you know, want to get involved and maybe back something or whatever? And they go, and, and everyone has said the same thing. Well, we need a, I, I need to see a platform. I would need to see uh, a structure. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, normally when that happens, <clears throat> in the past when someone would ask, they say someone with a vision on that, they would feel offended. Well, what do you, what do you mean? No, this is what we need to do because we need to go about it this way to make things better. Okay, great. I, I feel, I totally feel that way. I want things to get better too. But how are we going to do it? What, what, what is, I, I, I need to see an outline. I need to see a platform on how we're going to do, whose roles, what. And, and so it's out there, Michael. It's out there. There are people, there are people outside of our industry that would love to get involved. If you look at where the PGA golfers back in, say, like 87, 88, 89, I mean, they weren't making much money, not like they are now. And, I mean, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, golf was in a really bad spot. Now look where it is. Because we got they end up getting the right types to come in there and start instead of just going off emotions all the time and treating it like, uh, like a game or like some kind of leisure activity. They started treating it like a sport. They started treating it like a business and pool has just never been treated like a business, but that's what it needs. It needs to be treated like a business in order to be able to grow. And so I mean, I would love to say that through it is one of my goals to try to eventually maybe be a part of this, but I'm doing everything I can right now to maintain myself as a coach and a trainer, as an active player, and of course, this is definitely something that weighs heavily on me. I mean, I would love to make things better, I mean, for all, I mean, hell, not just for myself, but for all players out there. And, and, you know, to change gears a little bit, because we could sit here and talk about the state of the game forever. Um, sure. You know, let's go back to being an active player. You're one of the few players who consistently gets out there and represents America in in events all over the world. What's your what's your feeling there? I mean, you're you're out there playing against the best players in the world and your 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 other your fellow players here in America don't seem to find it as important. Well, again, it, it comes now down to what uh, one of my good friends says is like, what's really your level of participation uh, with what you're doing? And I want to be. You know, I hear everybody always say, like, oh, I want to be the best player in the world. But there really is, I think there is no such thing as the best player in the world. I think there's an upper echelon of players that at any given week can exchange that 
you know, that, that, that kind of role. I just want to be the best player that I can be. And that if, if I'm, if I'm going to be doing that, then I need to be willing to do things that a lot of others aren't willing to do. And that's learn how to be comfortable and being uncomfortable. And go out there, put myself out there, go to different places, play in different conditions, um, you know, be, be a minority. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing to do, but this is what I feel is going to help build me as a, a complete player. And I'm also thankful that I'm able to have that opportunity. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of stuff when I first started hitting balls and doing things, this is the kind of stuff I thought about. Wow. You know, play different places, play for your country. Do, do you know, uh, I mean, represent. And so I, I, I take advantage of any opportunity I can get any kind of invitation that comes my way, which now more coming because, you know, I'm making myself available for it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it just, it really comes down to, uh, character with, with that individual and that they, you know, some people are, they only have a, they, they have a, a certain level of chance taking and then it just stops me. Um, it's one life, one love. And I mean, Michael, I'm, I'm going to do anything and everything to get better because the clock is ticking. Do you really think so? I mean, is that the mentality? I mean, you're still a young guy, or at least I think you yeah. are. I've, I haven't looked at your driver's license, but do you really feel that that your window of opportunity to be the best player you can be is is closing? Well, it's not that it's it's closing. Is that there are okay? People aren't aware of it unless you've been out of the country or you know maybe you study tournaments overseas. But there is a legion, a legion of players in China, a legion of players in the Philippines, a legion of players in Europe that dwarf, that dwarf our players here in the States. Your average, your average league player, okay, over in Germany is every bit, I'm talking about a guy that has a wife, two kids, corporate job, runs a car lot, anything like this, plays league, you know, say once a week, two, two times a week, comes over here to the States, the guy is an open player. The guy can come and win at any given moment on any of these little tour events. So that's what I mean when the clock is ticking is that there's people out there that really want it. And I need to want it not just as much as they do. I need to want it more or I'm, I'm going to get passed up. I'm going to get passed up. It's just, there's, there are, and, and, and it's nothing. There's some beautiful players out there that just don't quite have the opportunities that some of us have. And so when you see that, 
it really, really makes you think. It makes you think deep, Mike. And it shines a new light on things, and it makes you do a heavy evaluation on yourself. Because that person would love to be in my position. So why is it that I am not, you know, I see you look at them, they're, you know, you, you see the passion that they play with, you see what they're doing, you see all the responsibilities they have or the poverty that they live in. And uh, it would kill to be in my position. So you can either be a person that ignores that and only, you know, just tends to look the other way or whatever, or you say to yourself, wow, would if, if things maybe weren't as comfortable as they are right now for me or readily as available, would I, would I still be doing this? Would I still be going about it this way? So um, it's, a, uh, it's a reality check, Mike. We talk, you, know, you mentioned players in Europe and, and you've mentioned the idea of representing uh, the USA you know, I mean, we both know what direction those two things kind of go towards. Um, what I'm talking about is Moscone Cup. Um, yeah. You know, the yeah. new coach, Johan, has made it clear that he's looking for more than just playing ability. Really, what it seems like he has indicated he's looking for is the way you describe yourself. He's looking for unity. He's looking for unity. He's looking for people that are, that are willing to watch each other's back, help each other. He wants camaraderie. And that's, you know, he's not looking for a bunch of free agents. You know, this, this is not your typical tournament where I'm coming and I'm just playing for myself. You're playing, you're playing as a unit. You are playing for something much larger than you might ever play for in your life. You're playing for your country. And, you know, people might laugh and say, well, you know, Hunter, come on, you know, this is just this and that. But no, it's an honor to go do something like that. And you, you're going to get that same kind of mentality when you talk to Johnny or you, you, you talk to some of the, the you know, the, the, the old guard, Nick Varner, um, Buddy, Jim Rimpey, um, I mean, just a handful of guys that you saw it. You just, you saw it in their play. You saw it in the dynamics of things. And now I think it's, you know, a guy might get excited or be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go on the team and I'm doing it. But his, his, his kind of like his dialogue and, and his actions, they don't match up. And so I, I feel where Johan's going with things is, is completely correct. And I know that, you know, he's getting kind of, uh, at times, you know, they're trying to burn him at the stake for this, but you can't argue with the guy that, uh, how, how many, I mean, he's bred a handful of terrific, I mean, world champion players, but at the same time, I mean, how many wins does he have, have as, uh, Europe's, as team Europe captain? Right. Wasn't he undefeated as, as Team Correct. Europe's captain? Yeah. Correct. Correct. And then Marcus Shamont took his place. So, I, I mean, you can't, you can't go against the numbers. 
can't go against his bats. So, I mean, when he goes about it, um, the way he's going about it, hey, I, I get it. I, I, I completely get it. And I, I also, too, feel that there are a lot of players out there that don't maybe play as much because they have responsibilities or, you know, they're doing other things with their lives that could easily come out and be on, on uh, Team USA and do extremely well. And then there are some guys that people say that are washed up, and I feel they're far from washed up. Because I'll tell you right now, there, there's no substitute for experience. None. Yeah, I was just saying, and I just don't care how talented you are, but if, if you're going into a situation that you've just never been in, there, 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 there's a chance where, you know, you, you, you're going to be introduced to a lot of new variables. Is, is Moscone Cup something that you aspire to? I mean, is that, is that a goal in your life? Absolutely. Yeah, I've just, I've, I've fallen short um, the last few years. Um, I've, I've been there, you know, last year I was in the, in, in the top seven. The year prior, I was top 10. Um, I've, I've kind of always been there in contention. But I, uh, I fell short, and, and it's my fault. It has nothing to do with anything else. It was me. Um, now, I think there were a couple times where maybe uh, someone's perception on me wasn't, wasn't accurate, and then they came to their, the realization later on that maybe then I would have possibly been a better pick or would have been uh, in contention. But, you know, that doesn't, doesn't really matter now. What's done is done. But, yes, it's always been something that I've wanted. And this year um, I'm going to go and, and watch because I want to know what's going on. I, I, I want to feel it. I want to see how people are behaving. I want to be exposed to the crowd, all the variables, because it is one of my goals to be on the team next year. And I'm going to, again, do everything and everything to make it happen. God willing. And also, too, um, I'm going to, you know, I can only, I'm going to control the things that I can control, Michael, that being myself. So I'm going to work hard, keep doing what I'm doing, keep showcasing what you saw at Turning Stone which if I just follow a simple process, that'll keep happening. Uh, and then it'll be up to um, the coach. If Johan's still the coach, it'll be up to him. If it's going to be somebody else, it'll be up to them. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can. And if I, do, and if I do become a part of the team, it'll be probably one of, you know, one, it'll be one of those monumental goals that I've always wanted. Um, because not everybody can say that they've played for, uh, you know, their country. And, uh, at the, and, and on the same, uh, and on the other side of that token, I will also be available to help as maybe kind of a, an assistant coach to the coach with players, talk with the players, um, deal with them. If there is something that they're struggling with, not just, physically, but maybe mentally, because, you know, we're a unit now. We're in a relationship. 
and their actions are now not just affecting them anymore. They're affecting all of us. So if I become part of a team, then I need to treat, I need to make sure that if, 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 if it's asked for, if it's wanted, if it's accepted, then I'm going to do everything that I possibly can uh, to make sure that everybody is 100%. You know, it, that that again sounds like what you're doing with with the instruction. And I feel bad that I didn't ask this right off the bat. If I'm a player and I'm looking for the kind of instruction that you're talking about, how do I get a hold of you? Um, well, it's uh, I don't advertise. So that's what's kind of crazy. Um, I think I've always felt a little weird about that. I, I wanted to be the, the end of the road guy where, you know, people have gone to just about everybody else and they've developed a really, you know, high level of contrast. And then they say, wow, you know, like, why well, haven't heard about this guy? Why well, haven't heard of Hunter? Or maybe, yeah, I know who Hunter is as a player, but I didn't know if he was a trainer and a coach. Um, because I, I'm not really looking to be like a revolving door um, with people. I'm looking to deal with serious types. And I think by doing the way I have been doing it up to this point, that's, that's what I'm getting. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm breeding players. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the, the guys that were just social players. Now they're becoming weekend warriors. Um, uh, people now that have, it was just a hobby. Now it's a competitive hobby. Um, players that, were once winning on the, on the main tour and not winning anymore. Um, now we're back to winning. Guys that quit for years and didn't know how to get their game back now are, you know, back on that correct path. That's, that's what I do. But to, to get a hold of me, I mean, a person can send me a Facebook message, and, and I don't mean just a friend request. If you just send me a friend request and, I don't, and I've never met you, there's a good chance I probably won't add you. But if you take the time to not just send me the request, but you send me a message and you, you, you reach out to me, tell me what's going on, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, and then we can kind of you know, create some conversation, then that's a, that's a great way to start with me. Um, but also, too, uh, it's just that it's Michael, it's been word of mouth. I mean, now that I'm going to be out there a little bit more, um, I'm going to entertain maybe possibly a little bit more with social media. Um, I mean, I don't even have an Instagram account, but I'm, I'm going to start one now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's hard to believe, right? Nowadays, uh, you're, you're nobody without, you're nobody without Instagram. So, uh, but I mean, you know, just things like that. I am, again, I'm going to start putting myself out there uh, a little more, but again, I am selective. And there is a little bit of a process that, I'd like to go through with someone before if I feel that there were going to be a right fit, but uh, that, that there, that's either way. Or if I just was just to put my phone number on blast. Okay. And then uh, everybody, everybody gets to me, but right now it's just been word of mouth. Um, majority of my teaching, I mean, I do teaching coaching all around the world. Um, but majority of my uh, teaching coaching is done in Manhattan at uh, Amsterdam Billiards. So there, uh, the owner, Greg, the staff, David Padilla, the manager, um, 
they've they're very warm and welcoming. They they've treated me since day one like family, and you know they make this all possible for me to have a a a consistent place to do this. And of course, all the other uh, forums in New York City they 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 extend they extend the same uh, um, setup as well. Uh, to uh, for Olive Branch, basically, for me to come come do it, but uh, Amsterdam tends to have uh, more of a concentrated uh, base of people wanting to get better. I mean, that's that's going to tend to happen, right? You know, you put about 11, 12 million people on an island. <laughs> you're, 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 there's a good chance you're going to find uh, people that want to get better. So um, I'm just glad that I fit. Um, the the bill that I, I fit what it is that they're looking for to let me be able to do that. And um, again, you know, I, I teach and coach down here in Florida. That's why I'm here this week and um, really all over. And then there are people that I work privately with at their homes, a little bit of everything. Well, Hunter, I know you're busy. We had a we had a hard time scheduling when we were going to be able to sit down and do this interview, so I won't keep you any longer. Now, you said you're heading back to New York? Yeah, I'm going to head back to New York Sunday morning, and then I'm just there for the day, and then I have to fly out uh, the following day for China. And then, and then when I get back like that, I'm going to need to talk to you about what are going to be some of these events that uh, I'm going to play. Yeah, I would like to kind of create a schedule um, and kind of go from there. You don't, are you playing, uh, are you playing Pat's event in, in October? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, I have to, Pat and I spoke at Turning Stone, but I need to go ahead and, um, confirm my, uh, I, I confirmed that I was going to play, but I need to go ahead and, and pay. So I'll probably do that today or tomorrow. So for sure, I'll be there. And then I know that you had spoke of uh, a few other events that are, that are going on. So I'm definitely going to entertain that. But really, the only thing that I have that's on the calendar is China Open. Uh, it looks like I'll probably do uh, all Japan. And then for sure, uh, the World Nine Ball in Ketter. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open for others. I'm open, I'm open to suggestions. Well, if you're a if you're a tournament promoter out there and and you like what Hunter has said, then you know how to get a hold of him. Yeah, best way. And my and also my email is hunterlombardo at yahoo dot com um, for the email types. And then of course my Facebook, very easy to find. And that's that's pretty much the the best way to reach out to me currently until I uh, get a little bit more social media savvy all right hunter i appreciate it uh safe trip and hope you play well in god china japan qatar yeah well i'm sure i'm gonna run into you and be talking to you between those events but yeah thank you uh i i, I need it those are you know i'm, I'm going up this you're not gonna get put it this way you go play events like that you're you're not drawing any buys you're 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 dealing with the best of the best, and that that person's at that tournament because either a they went through rigorous qualification process to through stage one to get to stage two, 
or, you know, their, their point standings in their region or country uh, got them to be able to, got them into that, you know, their, their stellar play got them into that position to go right to stage two. So. All right. Well, I will plan on talking to you uh, when you get back from China. And I, again, I wish you luck out there and we will talk to you soon. Michael, thanks. I, I appreciate it. And uh, hey, guys, if I could just probably tell you one thing is, is that just stay in it longer than the next guy. You don't 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 stop wanting it. Um, there's there's going to be highs and lows, but uh, that's what uh, that's what builds character. So if you can you truly love it. And when, when is, when is it ever enough? Uh, so, I mean, I've, I've had my moments of in and out of the game, but I've been fortunate to be able to come back and have the drive uh, to keep, keep going in the direction of getting better. So just hang in there. I know it's not easy, but it's, it's worth it. Sounds like good words to live by. All right, Hunter, I will talk to you soon. All right, Michael, thanks again. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye. That was Hunter. He sounds he sounds enthusiastic. He sounds like he's got a new drive. I hope it works out for him. He certainly gets out there and competes in major events. I've made the comment in the past that Hunter is one of the few players who gets out there and plays in the the worldwide events, the world championships. Uh this year is obviously a little different. While we're talking right now, the China Open's going on. Uh, I've seen Billy Thorpe post about being there. There was also a post from the Euro Tour that all of the seven Moscone Cup hopefuls, we had eight, and Dennis Hatch has backed out of consideration for the event. I haven't been able to get a comment from Dennis yet. He did I haven't been able to get an official comment from Dennis. He mentioned that he was opening a car lot and he didn't feel that he could give Moscone Cup the attention that it deserved. I've been trying to get him for an interview here. I haven't been able to yet, so hopefully Dennis will be available for an interview real soon. That's pretty much all I've got this week. I'm heading off to Vegas this weekend for a Diamond Pool Tour stop, so if you're out there, come by Griff's this weekend. I know one of our sponsors, John Barton, will be there playing in the event. And I also know that Vilmus Folds has said he will be playing in the event. So it should be a fun event. That's all I've got for you for this episode. Stay tuned next Thursday for another show. I don't know who we're going to have yet, but I promise it'll be a good one. Thanks, everybody.